The following content has been provided by RWTH Aachen University. If we then take a look at the um, macOS 10 architecture, um, we see the following. We have the graphics event library being um, the Quartz 2D rendering engine, re rendering engine and uh, Core Graphics being sort of a, a more modern extension of that. Um, and we also have I.O. Kit to handle events basically on the, on the other side of, of the, of the uh, process. The, um, this means that we have different frameworks available based on what, what kind of uh, things an application might want to do. The Windows Server um, is a user level process um, and combines part of, parts of the window manager and the base window system. Um, and in the user interface toolkit, we also have, uh, we used to actually have three different platforms. So Apple for a while was trying to please a lot of people. It was trying to um, use the new modern next step based uh, user interface toolkit, which was clearly the most advanced technically and the one that was able to build, you know, to make developers the most um, productive, which is important. Um, but, you know, here you are, Imagine yourself, you know, you're like Steve Jobs, so that should be easy, right? Um, so you've just, you know, come back to Apple and there is like a history of now, what, like 15 years or 16 years of software development for the Mac. And um, programs for the Mac are there. The market isn't huge because you don't have, you know, the major market share, but there's a lot of applications out there. You know, like Adobe has written Photoshop for the Mac, you know, Microsoft has written Word for the Mac. These have all been using the Mac uh, APIs right, for building classic Mac applications, um, which was called Carbon by, um, by Mac OS X. So you now introduce, you say, oh, Mac OS is now different. It's now Mac OS X after Mac OS 9, um, and we have a new API, which means you need to write 100% of your code new from scratch, like today. That's not going to work. Right? If you want to sell this, nobody's going to install that new operating system if there are no applications for it, and no developer is going to go out and say, oh, that's great, I'll just spend you know, the next half year of my life converting all my code to a completely different um, framework, completely different programming language. You know, no longer is it uh, plain C, but it's now Objective-C, this object-oriented uh, extension, and all the user interface toolkits are different, all the mechanisms to do stuff are different. That's not going to work. So... Apple decided to keep the old Mac toolbox around, uh, name it Carbon, and provide a, a way to write applications for Mac OS X using that classic mode. They weren't quite as nice and shiny and full, you know, fully fledged as the Cocoa applications, and as the years progressed, we could see that Carbon was falling behind compared to the modern Cocoa environment, so all the key development went into that Cocoa environment, but Carbon was a first-class um, API for a long time. And the first versions of Word, of Photoshop, of all the big applications on Mac OS X were all Carbon apps because Carbon meant that you only had to change maybe 10% of your code. Um, you could keep the language. You could basically keep everything as it was, make a few adjustments here and there, essentially to deal with the now multitasking environment that Mac OS X provided as opposed to the collaborative multitasking that you had earlier. And you were done you had an application that ran on Mac OS X. The other thing that, you know, back in the late, late 90s was sort of very hip was trying to use Java to write cross-platform applications. 
Um, and in order to sort of increase the attractiveness for developers also from other platforms to come to the Mac, Java was also supported as a development environment. So you could basically talk to the user interface toolbox and all those kinds of things in different ways, including Java. So that gave you a fairly, oh, I, I should say um, that um, you know, Carbon and Java now today are deprecated. So neither Carbon, so the old Mac obviously, um, you know, 10 years later um, or, or 15 years later, nor Java are supported as first class languages. You can write Java apps on the Mac, of course they will run, right? not the problem, but you can no longer use the native user interface uh, widgets that macOS 10 provides using Java. You have to basically go the Java swing way and, and make it all yourself. So um, here's, here's an example of how the uh, macOS 10 architecture sort of looks if you look, take a little closer look. Um, we have on the, um, at the bottom we have uh, Darwin, the operating system, which is essentially um, Unix, um, the BSD Unix. And on top of that, we have a few core services. We used to have a carbon core, which, as we said, you know, no longer exists today, um, and some services to, um, to establish basic sort of object-oriented environments around this. Um, the um, graphics and media package is pretty significant because Mac OS X, the Mac always was sort of a platform that was well known for being able to handle multimedia well. Um, and so packages that do animation, uh, image processing, image filters, video filters, video uh, playback codecs and encoding um, things, uh, QuickTime as the sort of old school um, way of doing things uh, from the classic Mac environment world was also around. Um, OpenGL for 3D rendering, obviously, Quartz, we already mentioned for 2D, and audio, um, audio services. QuickTime also, by the way, now um, deprecated, and um, some of our students um, have been working in Apple, and uh, there are not a lot, of course, to share anything about this, but they just say, looking at QuickTime source code when you're working in Apple is a very, let's say, interesting experience and sort of a, a, a little lecture in, in, in source code history over like a 20-year time span. Um, <clears throat> so on the, on the next level you have the application frameworks um, that you can use to build um, um, modern applications and, and the one that is you know, around today is the, is the AppKit. Carbon and Java were the ones that um, you know, allowed those other alternative means of using all those services using a different API and language uh, and those are not around anymore. Uh, and finally, then we have the user experience, um, you know, which is just showing some examples of the kind of tools that are available. Of course, Aqua being the sort of um, window manager and the whole like style in which things presented themselves. Um, the dashboard in order to display extra little widgets kind of on a, on a, on a separate page. Uh, Spotlight is the indexing search engine for full text search. Um, what we will be focusing on is uh, is really the, um, the, um, the COCO framework, which consists mainly out of the app kit part, um, that is the stuff that you work with as you use interface, you know, as you build a user interface as part of a Mac OS X application. Uh, the COCO framework also includes foundation um, down here, uh, but those are less relevant to us because they are like standard operating system um, things that are being provided. So nothing to do with the user interface, but more the general um, you know, process management and stuff like this, strings, etc. So let's take a quick look from 
um, bottom to top, starting at the, uh, the operating system, Darwin is a Mach kernel, which by the time that um, you know, next step was developed and picked up this idea of using the Mach kernel, this was sort of the industry standard modern way to build, um, to build a kernel. Um, it provided all of a sudden you know, the Mac platform um, that adopted later with protected memory, um, so you could actually protect memory areas from other applications, which you couldn't do earlier on. Um, preemptive multitasking. So if an application decided to just be stuck in an endless loop, who cares? Because, you know, a few milliseconds later, it's going to get kicked off the processor. Something else is going to be running instead. And that something else could also be, you know, the task manager, which then allows you to kill that other process. So that's the key difference why you often would spend, you know, time in front of your classic Windows, classic Mac, uh, or even Smalltalk environment looking at a spinning, you know, whatever, uh, and nothing would work, everything was stuck. Whereas in more modern systems that we're used to now, you can just say, oh, that application is dead. Well, my system isn't dead because of that. Um, it doesn't all get, you know, ground to a halt. I can just switch to another application, including one that allows me to maybe shut down the application that is currently hanging. Um, more advanced virtual memory usage, um, support for real-time um, uh, scheduling, um, things like device drivers, file system support, networking, this is all included in the base operating system. Um, since uh, OS X version 10.6, so for quite a few years now, they've been like roughly coming out in, in annual um, uh, iterations, so we're now um, about like six years in from, from 10.6. Um, we've seen a 64-bit kernel, and um, it's BSD. So it's, it's a Berkeley Systems Development Unix um, variant of, of APIs that has been around for a long time and is quite well established. One of the little advantages that you get by putting Unix underneath is also that all the um, you know, command line based open source stuff that is out there, all these Unix packages um, that are being distributed in the research community, for example, or in, the, in general in the open source community, all those things were really easy to bring to the Mac because you just had to compile them for a particular flavor of Unix and tsuk, you know, you have all the tools. You've got Emacs, you've got, um, you've got Git, you've got, you know, all these kinds of things. So very easy to bring Unix, uh, or today we would say Linux applications, and, you know, especially if they are command line or not doing some fancy graphical user interface stuff, over to the Mac. You just recompile basically for a different architecture and you're done. Um, and this is also something you can see. You can download package managers for Mac OS X and then start installing open source software, you know, as much as you want. Okay, um, there's even an X11 um, uh, server for, for the Mach uh, base operating system here for Darwin, uh, which we've seen the other day when we were showing you guys um, X11 uh, running on a Mac. The graphics event library that is on top of that um, supports um, no longer sort of uh, the display postscript that we had seen in news and, and, uh, and next step. In news, you've read about it uh, in that article giving you an overview of Windows systems. And the next step, we just talked about it, that it was introduced there as, um, as a tool, as a technique. Um, Mac OS X adopted that, but it simplified things a little to make it more performant. You gotta understand PostScript is a full language, right? You can write programs in PostScript with all kinds of you know, routines and loops, et cetera. And display, and PDF is essentially a simplified version of PostScript. 
It doesn't have all the power that the PostScript language provides, and it also supports a much more compact sort of um, binary storage of, of these commands. So that's why PDF is today sort of the language to describe printed documents, pretty much. Um, and what Apple used for its rendering engine in Mac OS X was display PDF. So again, we get the advantage, if I have an image, it's mathematically described, I can render it to the screen, it looks as good as it can get on the screen. I take the exact same image, render it to a printer, it comes out as good as it can get there, which is usually a much higher resolution, of course. So display PDF um, was also, um, uh, ah, okay, uh, was also used instead of display postscript because um, of licensing issues with the original postscript. You know, Adobe was, still has its grasp onto the postscript language as, as the, uh, the patent holder. Um, and so that's why they introduced it instead of <coughs> display postscript. Um, The vector-based rendering and the resolution-independent rendering, of course, was sort of the modern way to go. And um, after a little while, this got, um, this got further improved because during the 2000s, sort of, we saw an increased performance in, in the graphical pro, uh, processing units and computers, right? And uh, you guys have heard about GPU-based rendering and GPU-based um, computing where you use the graphical processing unit, you know, the graphics card essentially, to do general purpose stuff. Right? You can, these are often the most powerful processors in your computer. And so what Quartz Extreme did, um, an extension that was introduced um, in uh, 2002 uh, with version 10.2, was that it actually used the GPU to do the compositing of the entire screen. Now what that means is that we're now moving away from the traditional model we've talked about um, for example, in X11, where we said, you know, a, a window is this rectangular area on the screen, and those pixels belong to that application when, when it renders it, to a compositing model, where you can have things such as drop shadows of one window extending into another one, where you basically composite, you, you build your actual image on the desktop from multiple layers that interfere with each, with each other. That's a fundamental difference. You know, the X, X1 is kind of fairly easy to implement, let's say. Um, the one with compositing for is much more complicated because all of a sudden a single pixel, while it's being rendered on the desktop, could be influenced by various different applications. Right? One might be throwing a shadow on it. Uh, the second one might be showing its window. Let's say you've got a, another window sort of you know, extending its drop shadow in this area. And here I'm showing a, let's say, I don't know, document window. So it has a drop shadow on it, but maybe that document window is also semi-transparent so another window that's behind that is shining through. So you're doing basically high-end graphics compositing in the desktop. And that was a, a fairly early uh, um, achievement by OS X being able to do that because it piped its entire rendering engine for the desktop through um, the graphical processing unit when it was available. Um, IOKit, uh, on the other hand, it contains sort of the event library of, um, of the GEL, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that um, later. This content was provided by RWTH, Aachen University.